0: hey guys special episode coming up this time around i'm going to be talking about a very controversial subject which is should ncaa student athletes be paid i got a lot to say on this subject so y'all know the drill let's get to it drop the beat let's go Hey, hey, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind of Mike J podcast. This one, I've honestly got to say I've been looking forward to doing for quite some time. I've been spending a few weeks looking on it, doing the research, making sure I got all my numbers straight. And I'm going to try to deliver it to you guys in the best way that I know how. And it's a subject that I have really, really kind of felt strongly about recently, which is... Should NCAA college student athletes be paid? Now, I know what you guys are thinking or how it kind of sounds, which is, you know, should we be getting them salaries, signing bonuses, paychecks, things of that nature? And that's not necessarily what I'm suggesting, but I want to talk about it because. A lot of folks, I feel like, feel very strongly one way or another. There's not a whole lot of in-between, and I feel like those make the best talking points, or those make the best subjects to do episodes about. So I'm going to get right into it. Now, for starters, what really got me thinking about this subject was a documentary I saw on Netflix a few years ago, uh it's called Schooled. If you have if you have Netflix and you haven't seen it, it's actually really good. You should check it out. They explain kind of the position or what I'm about to say pretty pretty in depth and pretty well, but I feel like I'm going to add a spin to it that the that the documentary didn't. But if you have Netflix like get, yeah, it's called Schooled: The Price of College Sports. Check it out if you got a Netflix account. They really talk about this in a pretty well thought out, very informative, very factual way. But like I said, I'm going to bring up a few of those points and add my own spin to it that I think everyone can appreciate. Now, starting out, when it comes to this subject, I've noticed I want to first bring up a lot of the rebuttals uh, that I hear as far as why college athletes should not indeed be paid or get more than their scholarships which is what they normally get and I want to bring it up because I feel like the rebuttals or the people that are against it a lot of times use the same arguments like they keep getting regurgitated almost like it's a script and it's just odd to me so a lot of the things that I hear are well college athletes are getting a free education So, therefore, that is their compensation. They don't need to be paid any more than that. And if they feel like they need more money, then they should take out loans like everyone else. The other thing that I hear is that they uh, don't have to be athletes. If you want to attend college, you don't necessarily have to. Or if your goal is to be a professional basketball, football, soccer, whatever it is... You don't necessarily have to be a college. You don't necessarily have to play at the college level to get there, which by textbook definition is true. Here's where I feel like a couple of those things are flawed. I'm going to talk. I'm going to touch on why athletes just getting their scholarship is enough is kind of a flawed argument. I'm also going to touch on. Here's the thing if you are to say that. You don't have to be an athlete. I feel like that's unfair because I'm just a believer. I believe that God gives everyone a gift. And if your gift is an athletic gift, I feel like whatever your gift is, you should be allowed to use it. You should be allowed to share that gift with the world. And I would go as far as to say make a living off of it. And if athletics is your gift, you should be able to do that. So I don't feel like it's a fair argument to say, well, you don't have to be an athlete. You can go do something else. But that's not what you were put on this earth to do. I just feel like that's kind of unfair. And then uh, the other thing I hear a lot of is how can you put a price on education? A student athlete is given, you know, a full ride. Their tuition and other things are paid for, so essentially their education is free. When you have an education, you have all kinds of things that can come of it that you can't really quantify, so how can you put a price on that? And that's essentially supposed to settle this argument. But first of all, education's got a price because I got student loan people. I don't know about the rest of you guys. I got student loan people calling me. Every day, trying to catch me up. They, there's a price. Let me tell you, there's a price on education. Okay, I got a few bill statements from Navient that says otherwise, but that's besides the case. Uh, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. We got a price on education because you know we got to all take out loans, we got to make payments. So there's a price. I think that's kind of silly to say, but. Really, what brought me to this point? A few years ago, I was listening. I watched UConn win the uh, NCAA tournament in basketball over Kentucky. I think this was like two. This is like two, three, two or three years ago. Probably around three years ago now. Twenty fourteen, I want to say. And um, their star player Shabazz Napier, is in the NBA. I honestly don't know who he's playing for at this point. But that's besides the point. Um, he brought up. He said something that kind of rung with me. He said that sometimes there's nights where I'm not able to eat, but I still have to play up to my capabilities. So what immediately kind of stuck with me there was, okay, Shabazz Napier is saying there were nights where he didn't have food, but the fact that he's speaking up about it now after the fact means you weren't allowed to really say anything or for, for for whatever reason he didn't he either felt like he couldn't or was not allowed to speak on this while he was at UConn because if you're not eating I would think you would say something immediately but to me it kind of spoke to the fact that okay while he was there the fact that he, he immediately like because this was almost immediately after he left that he said this which led me to believe okay he's he's saying this now because he feels like he can whereas when he was a student he didn't feel like he really was able to do either like I said there was either a rule against it or something or he wasn't really allowed to say anything i also in the documentary that i mentioned earlier arian foster a longtime running back for the Houston Texans now plays for the dolphins i believe Said that when he was at Tennessee, you go out, play a great game, set a record, score three touchdowns, whatever it is. You sign an autograph, so everybody loves you, you're having a great time, and then you come home and there's no food, you got no money, there's nothing in your fridge. Like you have nothing to show for what you just did. And he even talked about a time where he had no food, no money. And called up his coach, uh, which I believe was Phil Fulmer at the time, at Tennessee, and said, "Coach, you know I'm if I don't get some food, I'm I'm hungry. We gotta eat. I don't have any money, and you know if you don't do something about this, I'm gonna go out and do something stupid." So, their coach brought them all a bunch of tacos, which, technically speaking, is an NCAA violation. So, you know, it's just crazy to think about living under those kind of conditions. It's really what got me wanting to talk about it. Because this kind of stuff is going on. I feel like Arian Foster and Shabazz Napier were just the first guys to really say something. But how many other guys are going through this? So that's what really got me kind of looking into it. And I just want to kind of share with you all... The, the conclusions that I've drawn And I'm just going to go ahead and say it Because if I haven't Kind of made my stance pretty clear already I I'm just going to go ahead and say it So I can set the premise for the rest of the episode I don't want them to get Signing bonuses and salaries And all any kind of crap like that I'm just saying I think Athletes should be paid more than they are I think they should be Compensated More than what they are and I'm going to explain why. But before I do that, I'm going to address a couple other views that I don't agree with. Bleacher Report, a few years ago, published an article kind of implying that, yeah, a student-athlete student scholarship is more than enough. And a few points, a few like closing um, statements that they made were... How do you quantify the job interview, quote-unquote, which job interview they're referring to games played, how do you quantify the job interview that players get for performing 11 or 12 times a year in front of the hiring decision-makers in their chosen profession? This is an excerpt from the article that I read. Um, I'll tell you, a good bit of, if not most of, athletics are team sports. Whereas you're playing against another team. When you go to a job interview, nine times out of ten, it's just you and your employer. These quote-unquote job interviews, in the form of like games that this article is referring to, you're playing against someone else. That would be like if you went to an interview and there was another guy or girl sitting in on the interview with you, that also wanted the job, and your employer was asking them questions and got to kind of compare the two of you. And you had to do that 11 or 12 times a year. It's a little bit different dynamic. I just didn't think that argument really made sense. First of all, before I, I just want to paint a picture of exactly what I see college athletes dealing with. The thing that you have to consider is that there is a difference in what a scholarship is worth and covers, even a quote-unquote full-ride scholarship. There's a difference between scholarship and cost of attendance. In other words, a scholarship only covers a certain amount of things. Every school... Every school's financial aid office yearly will publish what they call a cost of attendance. You can Google it right now You can for pretty much any school. You can look up any public university, Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon, University of Texas, Arizona, UNC, Florida State, whoever you want, and punch in... Cost of attendance. Whatever school you punch in, punch in the school and then put in cost of attendance. You will find, most of the time, a page that the financial aid office publishes that talks about how much it actually costs per year to attend the school. And a lot of times it's more than what a full-ride athletic scholarship is actually worth. Because by definition, scholarships are going to include tuition, fees room, board and books. Now to paint a picture of this, in 2013, to give you a specific example, in 2013, University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, roll tide. In 2013, Alabama scholarship, athletic scholarship was worth $23,200 in state, $36,950 out. By their own calculation, the cost of attendance to the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, was $27,532 in-state and 42612 out. In other words, every year, that is a shortage of $4,332 if you're in-state and $5,662 if you're out-of-state. University of Auburn, cross-state rivals, reported an average... gap during the same year between athletic scholarship and cost of attendance at most public schools you will see about a $4,000 per year difference between the value of an athletic scholarship and the university's cost of attendance now looking at all these numbers you're probably thinking well how is this possible I want you guys to look, if you have not ever done it, like I said, find any university, look up the cost of attendance. You will see a section called personal expenses, and it's very important to pay attention to that because that's not something that you're going to see an athletic scholarship covering. However, it is a factor in almost every single school. University of Texas, University of Texas, Austin. The Longhorns, universe, that University of Texas, reported about three grand per year in this personal expense category, according to their website. And they defined it as miscellaneous allowance for clothing and laundry. Or, excuse me, they defined personal expenses as a miscellaneous allowance for. Anything between clothing, laundry, to going to a movie or buying pizza each semester. So in other words, a school like Texas and many other public universities across the nation acknowledge that there's a certain amount of money, usually totaling in the thousands per year, that you just need to live like a normal student. Yet college athletes are not afforded this expense. So the question then becomes, how do we close that gap? Now if you're wondering, college athletes can apply for additional financial aid. Pell Grants would be one of them. A lot of us are familiar with Pell Grants. You apply for them. You don't have to pay it back. It's just money that the government sends you in order to help you go to school. Sounds great. That should help, especially considering that the maximum amount of money yearly you can get for a Pell Grant is around $5,700. Only problem with that is, number one, not everyone gets approved for a Pell Grant. As a matter of fact, all undergraduate students, athlete or not, who can demonstrate the requisite level of financial e- of financial need, by definition, can apply for a Pell grant. So it's not just athletes; it's everybody's applying for stuff like this. And according to NCAA's reporting, only eighteen percent of student athletes actually receive Pell grants. This this is despite eighty six percent. Of college student athletes either coming from or currently living in situations that could be considered that would be considered poverty in America. The other thing you have to consider is that the government controls the amount of federal funds allocated towards education and thus Pell Grants, which means it can be cut at any given time. If our United States government right now wanted to cut funding to Pell Grants, they could do it. The other thing you have to consider on top of that is potential lawsuits. Why would government money, meant for all students, be used just to fund athletics? Think about it this way. If you were a parent and your student applied for financial aid, and was not able to get it because of an athlete that applied for the same Pell Grant who is already on a full ride, got it over your kid, and you're having to pay your way all the way through. How would you feel? Just throwing that out there. Would you feel that that's fair? That's just a dynamic that you have to deal with. So, in other words, are Pell Grants necessarily the answer? I don't think so financial aid from the government the answer I don't necessarily think so if you look on the ncaa's website you will also find what is called a ncaa student assistance fund according to the ncaa website it is described as the fund is described as to assist student athletes with special financial needs Around last year, you will see that the NCAA pumped out about $80 million into this student assistance fund. Sounds great, right? Except for the fact when you actually look at what the NCAA student assistance fund is used for, it is described as money used for educational purposes, with some also going for needs such as clothing. To put it in further detail... I actually looked up a few schools specifically and looked at their definition for what qualified under the NCAA Student Assistance Fund because it's something that you have to apply for. It's not just money. It's not like every student athlete is given a credit card where they can just where they can just swipe and get money from the NCAA. You have to apply for this stuff. This is from Liberty University. The NCAA Student Assistance Fund Can be used for summer school Post-grad scholarships Grad school exam fees Insurance premiums and deductibles Clothing allowance Travel home And travel expenses to your family It does not mention food Like I mentioned earlier with Shabazz Napier and Arian Foster And honestly you can think of quite a, There are quite a few other expenses That that does not mention In other words it can be used to further your education at the graduate level or fly out your family or fly home if you have a death in the family or if it's your senior night and your parents want to be there, the school will pay for them to fly out and see the game. And that's about it. Purdue University. Examples of permissible uses of the NCA Student Assistance Fund. Expendable course supplies, notebooks, folders, computer disks, pens, pencils. Rental of non-expendable course supplies. Computer equipment, camera, lab equipment. Medical, dental, vision, hearing costs. And travel funds for family emergencies. So you kind of get a gist of what this Student Assistance Fund is for emergencies by definition it can be used for a little bit more than that but i think it's pretty clear what it's mainly used for is to pay for emergency situations this is not pocket change this is not everyday kind of stuff so we've already established that as a student athlete at a public university you are kind of already set behind the eight ball you're gonna basically by definition you're at a deficit because you're going to a school that reports that your scholarship falls thousands of dollars short of the actual cost of attendance you're not allowed to hold a job you're not allowed to receive assistance from anyone else You have a less than 20% chance of receiving a Pell Grant, and you have a NCAA Assistance Fund that can be used for emergencies only that you have to apply for. So we've established that. The next thing we kind of have to talk about is, does the NCAA even have the money to pay their athletes more than what they are given? To give you an idea of how much money the NCAA makes... Off of athletics And this is on their website You can find all this The NCAA generates about 700 to 800 million dollars Per year in revenue This is mostly coming from TV contracts TV as as it relates to sports And that's a pretty common theme Across sports in general TV money is just where it's at Broadcasting and putting it out there For people to watch That's where the big dollars are the NCAA's current contract with CBS and Turner Broadcasting is 14 years and good for $10.8 billion over that 14-year span. To put this in perspective, in 1982, the NCAA signed a TV deal with CBS good for three years and $50 million. So we've gone from... to almost $11 billion to show you how much this has grown. Now, keep in mind, the NCAA is just the governing body of college athletics. In other words, you still have to factor in the money the schools themselves are making. I'll give you those numbers, too. College athletics programs as a whole from according to the ncaa website most recent i could find college athletics programs as a whole generate about 6.1 billion dollars annually this is coming from ticket sales media contracts alumni contributions guarantees royalties and the ncaa distributions because the ncaa is a nonprofit organization so any money that they make they're redistributing out to the member schools So in other words, the college athletic landscape has grown since the 1980s exponentially to the point where billions upon billions of dollars are changing hands at almost every level except where the athletes are. That group stays constant. Every other group is making more and more and more money. Every year every decade and in return for all of this seeing as it's really only possible due to what athletes are doing on the field or on the court the only thing that they get in return is a free education and depending on what school you go to you don't even get that what I mean by that is up until a few years ago an athletic scholarship was one year renewable Meaning, when you sign on as a freshman, it's not a guarantee that you're going to be back as a sophomore. And as a sophomore, it's not going to guarantee that you're going to be back as a junior and so on. When you sign up for that scholarship, every single year, your school had the option of cutting you and just saying, we're done. We're not paying for this anymore. And it didn't have to be for any particular Reason Didn't have to be because of misconduct or anything like that. And up until a few years ago, that was a thing. Up until the big, the what we call the Power Six conferences, if you watch college sports like that, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, ACC, voted. And they are now required to provide four-year scholarships. But for decades, that wasn't a thing. And it still isn't for a lot of schools that are outside of, We're still on the one-year renewables. And with the rise of college sports, you have a lot of schools that are big players in the athletic landscape that aren't part of the Power Six conferences. So this is still a very relevant issue. Now, the next question you kind of have to deal with is, okay, we've established that the scholarships don't necessarily equal the cost of attendance. We've covered the fact that the schools continue to make a whole bunch of money and the athletes don't get anything in return. So then it becomes, well, how would this even work? Because the other question I've gotten a lot is, when trying to talk to people about this is, well, how would we even do it? It's too complicated. Do the football players get paid the same as the basketball players? If we're talking about payment at a football school, is a school that's predominantly a, a quote-unquote basketball school where their basketball program brings in the most of the revenue? Would they those guys get paid more than the football players? Do the men get paid more than the women? Do the starters get paid more than the bench warmers? I mean, how does that work? To me, all that stuff is pretty cut and dry. If we're going to pay athletes, we got to pay all of them. And we have to pay all of them equal. I just don't I just don't see how you get around that one. Man, woman, bench, starter, everyone's gotta get everyone's gotta get paid. And everyone has to get paid the same amount. I think that's only fair. Now I do also think this this whole I think honestly the whole scholarship versus cost of attendance argument, that number will pretty much answer that question in all forms across the board. If your school costs 40 grand a year to attend by your estimation and you're dishing out athletic scholarships only worth 37 you should cut every athlete in your program a three thousand dollar check per year if that's what it costs and that's and that's just how we go about it i understand it might be a little bit more complicated than that but just for starters i mean would that be unreasonable so the thing I want people to think about is, if you worked at a job, to kind of put you in, an a, in a student athlete's shoes, if you worked a job, you work sixty plus hours a week, well over overtime. I mean, overtime on overtime every week. Imagine everyone, your super, your immediate supervisor, his boss. All, of this, all the corporate CEOs, everyone else above you. Imagine all those guys getting significant yearly raises every single year. Every single year, you see your boss. Your boss is driving a Honda this year. Next year, he's got a Lexus. Next year, he's got a Porsche. Just increasingly making more and more and more and more money. And this is happening for everyone in the company but you. How would you feel? In what other field do we tell people you cannot benefit beyond this particular expense? We're so quick to say, well, athletes, nah, you're getting paid enough. Who else has to deal with that? If you're a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, a police officer, are you told... Nah, you get paid enough. You cannot, we can't have you get paid more than what you're getting. Does that even make sense? Does that really even make sense? I also want you to think about this. Think about when you were in school. I would like to think most most of my listeners went to college or know somebody that did. Think about when you were in college. I want you to assume that your parents are broke. Just let's just assume they don't have money to just be giving you like that. Let's assume they have no money because that's what a lot of athletes are dealing with. That's where they're coming from. I also want you to assume that you cannot get a job because that's also what a lot of athletes are dealing with. And then I want you to assume that your tuition, your tuition is paid, your room and board is paid. You're not taking out loans. You're not paying. You're not paying anything for. You're there but you're not paying for school. Any school facilities you can use, you can eat at the cafeteria, your that all that stuff is free. But you literally have no money for anything else. How would you have lived? Your how would your college experience have been? Would you have been able and I'm not even I'm not even trying to be rhetorical. I'm literally trying to just ask and get people to think on this one. Seriously, would you have really enjoyed your college experience the same way if you literally had no money for anything else? You do not have money to go anywhere on weekends. You don't have money to take your girl out for a date. You don't have money to go eat, because we all know the campus dining facilities don't stay open 24-7, and college was the number one time I can think when we were running to Waffle House or... McDonald's or taco bell or something like that after long after the cafeterias had closed and a lot of us were like you know little tiny scrawny people in college we're talking about we're talking about athletes that weigh two three hundred pounds dude's gotta eat man I'm just I'm just saying you don't have money we're literally telling people we're literally telling student athletes you can't have any other money besides this little bit that the school is giving you that they even admit isn't enough for a for a normal student. But you're supposed to be fine with that. It just doesn't make sense. The other thing you have to consider is, like I said, the schools continue to make money off the likeness and the labor of these players. If you went to school with me, And I made a t-shirt with your face on it and I went around selling it to people on campus and I'm able to get paid and you weren't. Would that make sense to you? Should I be allowed to put you on my t-shirt that I made without your permission and sell it and you get no cut? To an extent, that's what I see happening with athletes. The schools push it, they they market them, they they put them all over anything that they can sell and that people will buy. You can wear the jersey of your favorite player, but that particular player does not see a dime of it. Again, in what other walk of life, in what other profession does this happen? That's all I want to bring up. Honestly, would your fanhood change if you knew that players at your favorite school were getting paid? Come on, UNC, Duke, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas, whoever you pull for. Let's just, hypothetically speaking, let's just say it came out tomorrow that those guys all got, let's just say all those guys got $100 at some point just to use for whatever they saw fit at some point during the season would you just stop watching and the reason why I asked that question is because I hear people say well it's gonna affect the game it's the integrity of the game it's gonna ruin it it's gonna soil it we can't watch it if it's gonna bring down the quality of play because guys are getting paid I hear people say that all the time would it really like I said I'm not I'm not advocating for professional level stuff I'm not I don't, I'm not saying we should have collective bargaining and signing bonuses and contract holdouts and things like that but people act like if athletes are being paid all of a sudden there's this innocence to the game that is just that is just soiled and ruined and now they can't watch it and that's why I asked the question if hypothetically speaking it came out tomorrow, and whoever, whoever you're a fan of if all the players ended up, turns out all of them had gotten a little bit of money on the side just a few hundred bucks just to cover some miscellaneous expenses that they had would you just up and stop watching? would you demand that your favorite schools forfeit their wins or forfeit the championship that they won that year? I'll tell you what I would say, I would say I don't care. We were winning. I don't give a crap about that. Like I said, I'm I'm really not trying to I know it sounds like I'm asking this stuff rhetorically, and I really am not. I just want to throw this out there and get people to really think about what are what are we actually dealing with here. I also need to throw out to be fair. I'm not bringing up a lot of new stuff. I'm more just presenting information to y'all that's already out there. And for the record, there have been discussions had about a lot of the stuff that I'm bringing up. There have been talks among the power conferences about should we allow for a stipend to cover the cost of attendance gap. Also, if you you can look up the what's called the Ed O'Bannon case the class action lawsuit between players in the NCAA about likeness the courts ruled in favor of the players in that situation so there's a lot more freedoms afforded to student athletes than there have been in the past so this isn't this isn't all stuff that's just being ignored and and I don't want to give the impression that nobody's talking about it the only reason I'm I'm, like I said, I just want to shed light on it, because I feel like a lot of folks are against it for what reason, I don't know. But I did want to kind of shed light on my stance, which is, yeah, they should get a little bit more than what they're getting. And I don't really see why we would be against that. But again, feel free to disagree. These are just my thoughts, and I wanted to present as many facts as I could to kind of explain my point. And that's pretty much the point of every podcast that I do. So, I've got the Facebook page up now. I've got the discussion boards going. Y'all need to get on there and let me know. If you disagree with me, feel free to comment. I put the posts up every week now, so... Feel free to comment and let me know what you guys think on this subject because I feel like a lot of people are very opinionated when it comes to this. And I would just love to hear people's thoughts if you think if you a hundred percent agree or better yet, if you just think I'm tripping or I said something disingenuous, let me know. But now that we've kind of talked about that, it's it was more. that was more of a serious subject. Time to really have some fun. It's time to get down to the third installment of the L of the Week. And this in this week's L of the Week goes out to none other than my man Carmelo Anthony, who apparently a few days ago was caught cheating on his wife, Miss Lala Anthony. Not sure what her name, or, or her, I don't think her real birth name is Lala, but uh, that's what she calls herself. Anyway... Carmelo and Lala have been together for quite some time, but apparently Mr. Carmelo Anthony felt like, felt the need to still cheat. And Lala is fine, so I'm not sure what Carmelo's doing, but I'm going to just read the. let me just read this real quick. This is from an article on a website I found called Page Six. Carmelo Anthony has been dogged by cheating rumors for years, and sources say he justify it to his friends by saying... Lala is married. I'm not. Not sure how that makes sense. Um, You're married to her, but you, in your mind, she's the only one that's married and you're not. I don't even, I can't even begin to think of where that makes sense. Anyway, multiple sources tell Page Six that Mello would often flirt or hook up with women while he was on the road with the Knicks during his nearly seven-year marriage to Lala. One source said Mello's tagline was, she's married, I'm not. That's how he would justify it. His attitude is that all professional athletes do it, and many of them do. Lala has put up with a lot. She knew it was going on, but I guess this time she's had enough. A rep for Mello declined to comment on allegations of his cheating or the report that he impregnated a stripper who works at a New York gentlemen's Club over six months ago. The dancer allegedly is demanding money from medical bills and baby expenses. He didn't. He couldn't just cheat. Now he's got cold hard, because if you cheat, you can kind of lie about it. But now he's got cold hard evidence that he cheated because you got somebody pregnant. Carmelo takes an L for this for several reasons. Number one, like I said, who are you cheating on her with that's better looking than your wife right now? I, I understand looks aren't everything. I don't want to sound shallow, but that woman is fine. I don't know why in the world you out there cheating in the first place. Number two, you got a woman pregnant, dude. How much money you got? You couldn't but you couldn't afford no protection. You had to be that reckless with it, and now you got somebody pregnant, and they got a whole another other world of issues you're gonna have to deal with. You're gonna be paying. You're gonna be out there paying child support. Come on, dog. Come on. You shouldn't be cheating on your wife. You shouldn't be cheating in general, but not only you, you're not even good at cheating. If you've been paying attention to the New York Knicks, Carmelo's apparently overstayed his welcome with the New York Knicks, and now he's apparently messed up his marriage, too. This dude just can't catch a break recently, and he's kind of brought a lot of it on himself, and that's why he takes this week's L of the Week Carmelo, I'm passing it to you. Please hold this L until next week, until I find, until I can find somebody to take it from you. And I just don't know what to say, man. Y'all athletes got to do better. But other than that, that's pretty much all I got to say on that subject. You've been listening to the Mind of Mike J Podcast. New episodes every Monday. I appreciate y'all listening, and we will see you next week.